Open up the dialogue, we about to clear this mental fog Raising a society that only wants the epilogue There's so much in the middle, how do we deal with emotions? Even when it feels like we're drowning in an ocean We spool each other rotten, our owners are forgotten All aboard the train of Asia, thoughts is not stopping We all have memories, they may feel like enemies We wouldn't be human without a struggle with identity Suppression is expected, depression is rejected Within my own mind, I find it hard to be accepted Screw this just world, gotta find my own meaning It ain't too appealing to have these fights with our feelings Welcome back to The Fight With Our Feelings, a podcast where me, Caitlin Baldwin, a registered psychotherapist, talks about uh, mental health and life and feelings and values and all the gritty parts of being human. And I have Taha Ashad with me. So Taha, welcome. Hi, nice to meet you guys. I guess that doesn't make any sense because I'm not meeting anyone, but... Nice you are to- definitely meeting them. You're meeting yeah. them... Okay. Well, yeah. nice to virtually meet you in time. <laughs> like you said, my name is Taha. I'm 26 years old. I'm a queer South Asian person. I work in research. Um, I'm a huge advocate for mental wellness and things pertaining to that in my community. It's something I'm really passionate about. Um, and Katie and I also went to school together. Heck yeah, we did. So uh, Taha and I met each other at McMaster in our program, Psychology, Neuroscience and Behavior. Um, he's uh, He's been a, a person that I've continued to lure on social media and <laughs> interact with from time to time. So I'm super, super grateful that you're you're willing to like come on here and talk about um, your experience and like your passion for mental wellness, as you said. So um, off, off the bat, like I know that when we were prepping for this meeting, we talked about obviously the the cultural differences and what, you know, needs to be, what we need to be mindful of when like we're practicing within North American Western forms of healthcare. And like, I know that I'm white. I know that I have very white beliefs and, you know, upbringing and, um, and that can create a lot of challenges if I'm not actively aware of that and working to change that. So what are, what are your like initial pieces, I guess, on that? Yeah, that's a really, really good question. And I appreciate you taking the time to like address that and be like, you know what, like I want to challenge this notion that, you know, everything has to follow like a Western template. And um, yeah, I mean, something that was really big for me, even when I was looking for a therapist years ago, um, was finding a South Asian therapist. And I said, you know what, yeah. like, there's so many different parts of my identity. But this part of my identity, I think, is one that is harder for me to um, contextualize unless the person has that lived experience. And after my amazing experience with my therapist, who I still see regularly for the past two and a half years, um, yeah, it's it's made me realize how helpful that context is. And something that's really, really big that we talk about a lot is uh, the ways that boundary setting can differ in kind of the cultural context and I know that's something that's talked a lot on a lot of like cool Instagram pages and stuff I follow too. And a big piece of it is how pivotal I think family is to yeah. the, I guess, South Asian community or people belonging to that community. It's something that's really, really emphasized. And, you know, we're, we're a lot of us are raised with this, um, you know, inherent expectation or understanding that family is going to be a huge part of your life because... Um, yeah. you know, it is a, it is a very strong 
communal support system and community is a really big part of that too. Uh, and, you know, sometimes my friends and I will joke and we'll say, you know, like if we were seeing a therapist who wouldn't understand, you know, the culture we come from, they'd say things like, yeah, you know what, like your family isn't treating you well, completely cut them off or like, um, you know, yeah. Um, yeah, you know, like set a boundary by like blocking your family member for an extended period of time. And, you know, I, I do want to say that contextually speaking, obviously everyone's situations are different. Those might very well be things that are good and helpful and, you know, things that someone needs to do for their, for their mental uh, well-being. And that's obviously context specific, but because there is such an emphasis on care and family, a lot of times trying to, trying to incorporate boundaries in that kind of way can be really, really difficult and sometimes even impossible when you've grown up with such a strong value on family and, um, yeah, like I've seen a lot of really cool guides online of like, you know, ways to boundary set within your South Asian family while being sensitive to, you know, how much they value your relationship. And yeah. I always see it as something that's helpful for me is always seeing it as um, making sure that when I am setting my boundaries for myself, I am reminding my family that I do love and care about them and giving them the opportunity to learn and I think that's a big piece of it for me because I don't I don't want to you know learn about all of these wellness related things and be like you know what like my family's done this this and this and I want to cut them out completely there are reasons for their experiences not being the same as mine and that doesn't justify any sort of hurt that might have been inflicted upon me or other people from my generation but at the same time um, because my family is some like a group of people that I care about deeply I always want to make sure that they know that they have space to learn and space to ask questions and time to process whatever they need to process and that they always have like you know should they be willing to you know change certain behaviors for example from setting a boundary um as long as it takes i'm happy to happy to chat with them so overall in my experience it's been a heavy emphasis on family and understanding what the dynamics like understanding what it's like to be a child of immigrants or in my case be an immigrant um yeah yeah there's like there's so much there in what you said like I and I remember too when I I guess like initially started practicing within this field and you know it's it's really kind of ridiculous and unfortunate that like most um programs on you know training therapists or counselors or whatever um really don't put a heavy emphasis on like cultural context on you know suiting um or like understanding the biases and differences in different cultures right like there will be courses on it but it's not emphasized very highly at all and i remember when i was earlier on like there would you know there would be people from different cultural backgrounds and i remember like um south asian in particular where you know i, I was like oh okay well this however this family member is treating me like doesn't quite make sense and I can hear that you're really hurt from it like you know how could you speak back to them they're like well I can't like it's just it's not how the communication works within the family and and there was so much for me to learn in terms of like the dynamics of authority of respect within that culture that I had no understanding of because that doesn't exist in the same way in my family Oh, for sure. Yeah. And it's, 
and that's just it, right? It's it's navigating frameworks, and it's like yeah. the things you learn about therapy and stuff are all, I think, great and valid. I think it's just a matter of adjusting it to different frameworks so that the point you're trying to get across when you like, you know, for example, give a client advice, um, that point can come across in a way that's actually helpful for them and can be tangible for them. Um, yeah. Their context. Yeah. No. So I'm glad you pointed that out, and I, I don't know. I think it speaks to your character that it was something you were aware of and really thought about and internalized after you had the interaction. So thank you. Well, and it's like, it's become really difficult, I think, as you know, in this last year, like I have tried to create a, a I don't know, presence on social media, like from from my business. And so it, <laughs> it's tough. It, it's tough, because like, I don't really, I don't try to put out tons of like, tips and advice. And I also want to give like tangible examples you know, on, on things like boundary setting, like I posted something about that yesterday and it becomes so difficult because like therapy is an individualized, unique thing for each individual. And we know that context plays so much into it. And then, you know, we're kind of expected to present these things on a big, broad platform that does really like condense everything. And it, it, it's been tough because I found that like doing that sometimes it has really like narrowed my vision back to back to kind of my very constrained bias and, and understanding and knowledge of my own context. And I make sure to follow a lot of accounts that are, um, you know, from different cultures, like Indian sex therapists is like one of my favorite accounts ever. Um, you know, and, and I try to follow a lot of like indigenous therapists and black therapists and, you know, people so that I'm not, I'm not like constantly being filtered in with North American content. And I know that the content I put out can, can very much be from that one side. And it's like this super hard balance, I guess, to, to find. Yeah, no, I bet. And I mean, so much of what's on our social media feed is going to inform our biases, right? It's good that you're thinking of that and crafting it accordingly, right? So yeah, no, I mean, it makes sense. And it makes sense that kind of in the, your journey towards like exploring your brand on Instagram and stuff means that you have to think so broadly, right? Because yeah. I mean, it would, as lovely as it would be to make one Instagram post for each client you have. <laughs> and be like, Here you are, that's yours. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And the target audience is one person. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. It seems like a challenging thing to have to combat yourself against or like combat because yeah, I mean, Instagram is literally constant stimuli, and yeah. each piece of stimulus is doing something to your brain. So we've gotta gotta be smart about what the stimuli are. And so, no, it makes sense. It makes sense, and it's yeah, it's interesting being in your position. I imagine where you're like, you know, like how do I be there and you know make myself as aware of all of these different nuances. Um, maybe without taking up too much space or something along those lines. I always equate it to like me trying to learn about how I can be a better ally to my uh, friends that identify as women, for example. You know, I'm like, I, I want to like learn how to be a better ally. I want to know, you know, what I can do to make you feel safer. At the same time, I'm like, okay, but I don't want to like ask them to do the labor of like explaining this to me. Yeah. And so it's, it's always such a, it's such a tricky thing. So like, I can yeah. definitely relate to that because yeah, it's, it's, it's a hard line to balance where you're like, I really 
I want to be a good source of support for this group of people whose experience I don't understand, but I don't want to overburden them or be doing too much. What does that even look like? Yeah. Well, and I think that like that speaks to the point you made about, you know, when you were searching for a therapist for yourself, like finding a South Asian therapist, because it is extremely taxing, you know, if like ideally what should happen is if you went to someone that didn't understand that context, then, you know, they should do that research and learning and labor on their own. Right. But if if you, you know, met with someone who like was white and Canadian and, you know, felt like you had to explain and kind of educate them on what the structure is like within your family, on what, you know, traditions and things that you hold and were raised with, then that becomes extra exhausting for you. For sure. Yeah. I mean, a big piece for me when searching for a therapist was having somebody who would have like the same lived experiences with me culturally, which is why I was like, I wanted to be somebody who is South Asian specifically, not necessarily someone who isn't, but could learn up like about that culture. But then on the other hand, I have lots of friends who are South Asian or black or East Asian who have therapists that are white and they love their therapists. And so, you know, for them, I imagine when they were figuring out, you know, what's a good fit for me, uh, maybe they had different priorities than I did and whatever priorities they had meant that they found a good fit with somebody who maybe isn't from their culture. So in that context, I bet you'd be saving a lot of people work and time by reading that and doing that research, you know? It's the difference between, oh, you know, like I can't really say that to my parents because that level of transparent communication is incredibly disrespectful. And like maybe in your family, that's a respectful way of asserting your boundaries. In my family, that's actually really, really disrespectful. But I mean, in the future, for example, if, you know, I was one of your clients, I would be like, oh yeah, like I can set that boundary. And you'd be like, yeah, because X, Y, and Z, I remember reading up on it and it could lead to a nice conversation. And I'd be like, oh, that's cool that like you like did the work and like, you know, are willing to understand where I'm coming from in terms of, not being able to set a certain boundary because of a cultural nuance. Yeah. Well, and for you, like, so starting, starting therapy, like I know that, um, you know, the, the clients that I have worked with from um, a similar like South Asian background have expressed a lot of challenges with that. And, um, you know, I, I know that that may be unique to their own experiences and it's not a, a general stereotype, but that there is like, a lot of additional stigma around going to therapy and, and reaching out for support of that kind. So what was that like for you? Yeah, that's real. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, my yeah. a lot better over time about like understanding that. But yeah. I remember when I first told them I'm in therapy, my mom was like, what happened? I was like, life? <laughs> I don't know. Everyone. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and um, she was like, oh, so like, isn't therapy like, you know, if like something really, really bad happens to you. And I was like, I could be, I said, it could also be if nothing happens to you and you just want a space to reflect and check in. And it was very foreign to her, but she was, she was trying to learn and understand. And so she's a lot better now at like getting it, but no, totally at the beginning, it was funny trying to explain it to her. But what's awesome is that being so vocal and open about the fact that I go to therapy to like family friends and, you know, family members um, has led to a lot of them reaching out to me and being like, hey, like, I've actually always wanted to try therapy and what's it like and da, 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 da. And like, Love that. yeah, and like, I know somebody who now like sees a therapist because they saw me do it and they're not scared of doing yeah. it. Anymore. And um, so, yeah, no, it's definitely 
funny culturally speaking well it, it, it was part of like why i reached out to you to to have you on here right is because like you're uh, yeah I, i'm not like involved in your life personally but from what i see of you like you are very big on kind of normalizing and advocating and, and being that like open person about mental health which like i very highly value and i do that myself both professionally and personally and it's you know i, I think it does so often like have that voice for other people that were like yeah you know like i have a lot of friends too who have started going to therapists in the last right. you know year or two because like I shove it down their throats all the yeah. time and they're like, oh, cool. Like it's, it's fine to go to therapy. It, it doesn't mean that there's this like huge disaster or like yeah. it, it doesn't always have to be right. It can just be that, you know, yeah, we're humans and we go through a lot of shit and you know, it's helpful to talk to someone. Totally. Yeah. Have you ever had any of your friends be like, oh yeah, can you be my therapist? <laughs> Uh, not like not um close friends but people that i went to like high school with and stuff so yeah. random people that i still have on like facebook and you know i i had to say no in those cases because like there's even if i had never checked up on them like there's a social media relationship and it's just it's something where like if if you don't need to you shouldn't <laughs> but um but but i appreciated it right and you know uh, part of me like sometimes I get really worried that I'm um annoying or like oversharing when I do share my like business content like I'll I'll reshare it onto my personal page or whatever um I do that often and I think I did it more so in the in the beginning but then I've also just had a lot of people kind of reach out and be like this is super helpful like thank you for sharing this or this made me think about this and like oh yeah. right <laughs> you know like little little nuggets of of inspiration or change or empowerment for whoever it is that you know they like like me and and probably like you as well where like therapy wasn't talked about and it's it definitely wasn't encouraged <laughs> so i'm you know i i hope to to normalize that i guess for a lot of people and i think you very much do the same thanks i appreciate that when um when we're setting this up you you said that like you'd feel comfortable sharing your experiences as a queer person and, and coming out specifically within you know your own journey but within your culture do you feel okay if we like segue into that right now totally okay 100 yeah so okay so i first had the inkling that i was gay when i was 13 because basically there was this girl in my class named Actually, I won't tell you her name, but she was really, really awesome and had a huge crush on her. But looking yeah. back, I don't know, maybe I just wanted to be her friend or maybe I had a crush on her. I don't know. Um, yeah. It was really, really great. And she really liked the Twilight series. And I was like, I'm going to read the Twilight series so that I can impress her. And I started reading the book. <laughs> I think I'm I so excited for this. While I was reading it. And so I read the entire series. And I didn't know why. I just really liked reading whenever Edward Cullen would like enter. And I was like, oh, wow. Like something about this is so appealing and then um as you can guess it yeah it was because i think i had a crush on edward Cullen. Um, oh my god that's yeah, so funny yeah so i i, I don't blame I, you like i i they were tantalizing books so i get oh, it right? yeah. <laughs> like his marble skin sparkled in the sunlight and he broke yeah was like, how could you not yeah yeah <laughs> um and so it's ironic that that's how that kind of started and then 
Um, I, I came out to my friends in fourth year of university, so like 2016. I felt a little bit more comfortable. And I think by that point, I was just tired. It was so exhausting keeping yeah. hidden. And, you know, I grew up hearing a lot of very, not even subtle, overtly homophobic things like, you know, yeah. people were horrible. Um, one of my cousins once told me, he was like, yeah, they deserve to be beheaded. Uh, like yeah. just like so much demonizing about it. Yeah. Like not subtle. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Just really, really awful things like that. And so when you internalize all of that growing up, uh, there is so much shame and fear. And yeah. that was for me. And I was like, I can never tell my family this because they're going to disown me. And so what that did to me at a young age is I remember being 13 years old and realizing and thinking to myself, like, word for word, okay, if they find out they're going to disown me, I need to disconnect from these people emotionally and try to be as financially and socially independent as possible. I'm going to cut myself off from them slowly so that when it's time, I can just leave them forever and it's not going to be. There won't be any like instability to my yeah. security, to my housing, to exactly, exactly. So that's so much to have on you, like at such a young age. Yeah, yeah, and it was, and it was horrible, obviously. <laughs> and yeah, I came out to my friends in 2016 because I was just tired. And another reason was okay. So I like have also done theater and stuff for the past 10 years, as you know. Um, and that was the year I was going to have my first ever stage kiss. And I was like, oh my God, if this is my first ever stage kiss, it's also my first ever real life kiss. And I want to like know what it's like to kiss someone before I do it on stage. Yeah. And so I was like, it's time. So I like told my friends, I downloaded Tinder, met a really sweet guy over Christmas break. Um, we had a little thing going for like a couple of weeks and I had my first kiss. And so that was the momentum to come out to my friends. Um, again, also a funny story. And then 2019, I um, came out to my family, my family friends, and like I did it pretty publicly on Facebook because I was very. I, I was gonna say I, I like I feel like I remember that post because I was reading it and I was like, oh, like it, it just it it felt so heavy. I'm not gonna take it from you, but I remember seeing that. Yeah, yeah, and uh, at that point, I um, had been dating my ex. At, uh, it was not my ex. I was dating him at the time, and. At that point, we'd been dating for almost a year, and I, yeah, I felt ready to come out to my family. This was a little bit before the Facebook post, and I said, you know what, like, there's a special person in my life, and I want to be able to share that. Um, yeah. At that point in time, I also had my own place, uh, and so, and a job, so I was financially independent, and so I was like, if this ends poorly, I have my own space, and so I came out to them one by one, and... Um, yeah, I, it was very firm and I'm glad it was. And I remember telling them, you know, I've been, you know, thinking about this day since I was a child and I've like done a lot of things to distance myself from you guys um, growing up because I wasn't sure how you'd take it. So, you know, I'm gay. Uh, if that's a problem and you're not okay with it, you can, we can end our relationship here and that's okay with me. It'll obviously suck. It'll obviously hurt, but because of the prep work I've done, it's going to be a little less painful. Um, I'm actually I'm also financially independent and have my own home, so you know you can say goodbye. But then another important piece of that, um, going back to that family stuff that we talked about earlier, I was I said, um, 
you know, one, I'm only going to accept unconditional love. No, like, oh, I'm okay with it, but you can't mention it. Da, da, da. Like, that's not okay. Like, don't. Yeah. Like, you don't want to continue to have the hide parts of yourself. Totally. Yeah. Said, the only form of love I'm going to accept from you is unconditional love. But I said, I don't care if it takes you a month, two years, 10 years, there will always be a space for you in my heart if you are ready. So that space is yours. Yeah. Always. And you get to decide if you want to occupy it. I'm not closing it out. And that was a big piece for me where I was like, you know, I, at the end of the day, my family and just growing up with those family dynamics, I don't know. It's just, it's too important to me to just shut them out forever. I want to give them the space to learn and grow. Even if it involves a little more labor on my end, that was something I wanted to take on. And I said, you can ask me anything. I will answer anything you want. I'll help you get comfortable if you want me to do that. But you have to be putting in the work and agreeing to love me unconditionally and um overall it went well i had some family members that took a little bit more time than others i had to set some boundaries but um at the end of the day most of them came around you know i obviously i mentioned <laughs> i was I very bitterly mentioned an uncle earlier it's just um obviously not all of the relationships um uh, stayed there which really sucked and yeah um, and then that kind of led me to being like, you know what, like, I'm so confident and comfortable in who I am. And like, I didn't have anybody to look up to growing up that was queer and of my community. And I was like, fuck it. Like, if I want to make a Facebook post, A, it's going to save me a lot of work because I'm so sick of everyone asking me why I don't have a girlfriend. Um, and um, now like, I don't have a boyfriend. And I'm like, shit, maybe it wasn't. Like <laughs> maybe I just don't like <laughs> I'm single. Damn, this is embarrassing. But yeah. at, the time, <laughs> at the time it was. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, at the time it was that part. And I'm like, and I just don't want to like feel this awkwardness when I see people. I just want it to be out there. And then if anyone has questions, they can ask. And I don't want to, I don't want to feel like I'm hiding something every time I go to a family event or a family friend's house or cousin's gathering, whatever, whatever it may be so i did it and i made that facebook post that you mentioned where i talked about my experiences with homophobia how a lot of it manifested into the anxiety that i deal with that i now don't deal with nearly as much because i'm happily happily medicated um how you know a lot of cultural things whether it's south asian culture just like global culture um yeah a lot of like really bad homophobic things and i i remember ending that off talking about how I wanted to be somebody's visible South Asian queer role model because I didn't have that and I wanted people to reach out to me whether or not they were queer whether somebody that they cared about was or maybe they didn't know anyone who was and they were just curious I wanted to answer any questions people had so I remember fielding a lot of messages after that and having some really really good conversations and it was yeah and you still make posts like that which I I, I think is so <laughs> it is so like great and generous of you and and i often kind of wonder like how you have the emotional capacity to do that because like that's that's taking on i mean like i know i'm a therapist but like this is my job like it, you know so it i'm taking it on with with knowledge that it is it is my job and i have work hours and it finishes and i, I like I'm, I'm curious how you take on that emotional weight from people in that allyship yeah, well, one piece of it is it makes me really happy, so that helps. Yeah. Another piece is just light boundary setting. You know, I'll tell people, I'm so glad you reached out. Give me a couple of weeks to respond because I don't want to give you a rushed response. And they're like, fine with it. I never pressure myself to respond in like a super like fast or like 
overly timely manner because I know that is not something I'd be capable of doing with my schedule. Yeah. So I just let them know. I say I'm 100% going to get back to you. Just give me a few weeks. And if I need more time, I'll let you know. And everyone's cool with it. I get back to everyone. And yeah, I mean, there have been so many good conversations. I had people that I never would have guessed were queer come out to me and be like, I've never told anyone this, but like, I'm queer. And some people being like, hey, I'm queer and I'm also brown. Ah, how do I navigate this? Nobody knows. And <laughs> those conversations. And then I remember one of my... Uh, one of my friends had come out to me after reading that and we'd been vaguely in touch and she isn't white. So she's not South Asian. She's um, of East Asian descent. And she was, we were talking about the cultural similarities and she was like, you know, it's so nice having someone to look up to because one day I want to come out to my family and start dating and da 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 and all that stuff. And this was a couple of years ago. And um, now she's out to her family is happily dating a girl uh, and I met up with them a few months ago and it was so nice. And like, yeah. there was a moment where she looked at me with her girlfriend and she's like, you know, you're literally the only reason her and I are dating. Right. And I was like, oh my God, this is, ah, like it's Ugh. so nice. It's so nice to feel like, you know, my willingness to be open has a positive impact because yeah, yeah it's, it's, it can be hard being so open sometimes. And at the same time, obviously the only reason I'm able to like be comfortably open about this stuff is because of ounces and ounces of privilege that I have, right? Obviously, if you're not comfortable being so open about that, that is also completely okay. But I'm like, okay, I feel like I want to take this on. And so it's rewarding. Yeah. That's another reason why it doesn't feel too strenuous is I know it's rewarding and I know that I wanted this growing up and I never had it. Yeah, and you've, I mean, like coming back to the point that you made about like the the shame and fear that you had, like there there's a quote about um, shame from Brene Brown that says like, three things that um, shame needs, you know, if you put shame in a Petri dish, it needs three things to grow, silences, um, judgment, and oh, shit, I don't know, something else. <laughs> but like, when when things are kept hidden, and you know, when they're kept in this very like, judged other box, then, you know, we, we continue to build that shame, and we continue to like have that that fear, right? And being you know, being as open and as transparent and comfortable as you have been kind of provides like a safe haven for people, right? And it's it's probably a large reason why so many have contacted you because you represent something other than that fear. You represent safety and welcoming and openness. Thank you for saying that. That's a really, most of the quote, I don't know the full quote either, but that's a, it's a good <laughs> quote, eh? Like, I know I it's gonna bug me so much, but I know you're like, there's this quote that I love. It has something to do with the petri dish, and I'm like, I, so, yeah, I get it. I get the vibe. Like, I connect. Yeah, I, know I get what you mean. Um, <laughs> and I remember after coming out, I realized how much like, I guess I felt like emotionally constipated around my family before. Now that I didn't have to hide anything, I was yeah. like, oh my god, I'm like, my shoulders are relaxed. There's no subconscious part of me wondering my entire time with you whether or not you would like me if you knew this thing about me. And I didn't realize it was on my mind all the time. Yeah. Well, and, and cause it, it wasn't a conscious thing, right? Like I'm, I'm, it, it makes me really happy that you mentioned like what you noticed physically, you know, like that your shoulders were relaxed. Cause I pay attention to, to like body all the time, you know? And when, when we are experiencing that tension, that need to like hide or when we're internally judging ourselves, there is just this tension that we hold everywhere. We're, we're like quite literally physically guarding or preparing ourselves for some sort of threat. Yeah. And when we're being authentic, when we feel safe enough to be ourselves, then you notice this like actual physical relaxation of, oh, 
cool. I can breathe, you know, like I'm not, I'm not up here the whole time. Yeah, totally. And that was also like feeling that relaxation is what also made me, you know, not accept when other people tried to shame me after all of that. Um, Because it happened, right? And obviously, as much as I love to share the nice stories, they're also not nice stories. And I've dealt with some um, crap from, you know, many people. Um, And I'm like, no, like, I'm not letting anybody shame me, because I know how nice it feels to not be in that space anymore. So yeah, you're so right about the manifesting through the body. But it's something you notice with your clients, too. That's probably interesting. Um, Yeah, it probably annoys them when I point it out, because I'm like, (laughs) I'll tell them, like, hey, like, you've you've sat, you know, in a cross position, like, this whole time, or I, I would ask them to, like, start, you know, I'd ask them uh, or get permission if we can like talk about something that was really hurtful and their posture would immediately change to be more closed off or they'd kind of be like hiding their face. And I'm like, Hey, what happened? (laughs) Like, did you see what, what just changed there? And they're like, Oh shit. And, but it's, uh, it shows up. I notice it all the time. I was on this date a few weeks ago with this guy and like, he ended up being incredibly emotionally avoided, which is a huge turnoff for me. Well, obviously it's a turnoff for anyone. Um, also, if you're like listening to this and you're like, am I emotionally avoidant? It's okay if you are, you can like work on it. This isn't my life. You can work on it. <laughs> Just in case I sound like a mean person. But um, I remember I was sitting outside and this was like our second or third date. And I was like, noticing that every time I like inch closer just to like communicate because I like being close to people when I talk to them in yeah. a way and he liked to keep his backpack in between us. And so I was like, hey, like, let me know if you're uncomfortable with like the space between us. I'm happy to go farther away. I noticed you are like putting things in between us and inching away. And that's totally okay. I just want to make sure you're not uncomfortable right now. And he was like, oh, I had no idea I was doing that. So it's so interesting, right? When people I don't- love, And I love that you noticed it and commented on it because like yeah. it takes the awareness to actually to see what's happening. But also like, I think so many people would, see that and then just have this whole internal narration of like oh they're moving away from me clearly they don't like me you know blah blah blah. and you were just like hey am i making you uncomfortable like and and they didn't even notice like that's crazy yeah Yeah, then it's cool because it like reveals maybe things that people aren't saying out loud so i I can i can totally see why your clients would be like god darn it why 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 yeah oh all the time i i had you know one in particular where like we we worked for quite a while on his avoidance and like I was going through like frame by frame with him about what happens when he you know was in like conflict with his partner and he's like yeah like we we kind of came to a place where we realized like I immediately start turning away like if I'm facing the person I will shift away I'll look towards the door I will start moving closer towards my keys like and he was doing all these things to prepare to to flee and had no idea about it right and then you know knowing that like we do communicate so much through our body language like that person on the receiving end is like hey you keep inching away from me (laughs) what's going on yeah and it's funny it also came up recently so um i also so you know this i didn't mention it earlier but i also do like a little bit of like acting and stuff whenever i can and so i was filming for a web series recently and the scene was uh, my fiance and i fighting and that ends with uh us breaking up and i remember in the scene um my what was it our directors were like hey you guys can improvise some blocking blocking essentially is how you move in a scene 
Um, and he's like, and we'll see if, then they were like, we'll see if it feels natural. So as we were having our scene in my head, I'm like, oh yeah, I remember like when me and my ex would fight, um, I would always end up going far away and wanting to sit away and like not want to look. So I incorporate that into the scene and the directors are like, wow, that was so natural. Like, let's keep that. And I looked yeah. at my scene partner after I was like, hey, you want to know something? He's like, what? And I was like, the reason I did that is because that's how me and my ex would sit when we'd fight. And he was like, oh my God. And I was like, ah. he was so scandalized. He's like, what's wrong yeah. with you? Why are you laughing? I'm like, it's funny. It is. No, it is. Because like when, when you pay attention to those things, I mean, it's different if, you know, if you were still in the relationship and you're like, yeah. oh, okay, shit, this is something you're gonna look at it right but when you reflect back like i yeah i i know that there's been like so many periods where you know i would be extremely avoidant and like thinking back on my behavior now i'm like oh my like i was literally like running away from people like i would like pick up speed and just yeah. run and be like yeah. and it's it's crazy to think back on it and you know and, and now like i've i've made changes to to like be able to connect with people in a in a different way but it's just it's funny when you have that awareness it's really frustrating when you're in the midst of like making those changes and working on it but it's it's very funny when yeah. enough time has passed yeah like i remember my accident you realized he was like hey like you know every time we get into conflict you like run to the other room right i was like no i don't that sounds like something out of a Looney Tunes episode. And then we were having some sort of an argument and I just started walking to the room. He's like, stop, that's what I'm talking about. I was like, oh my God, oh yeah. my God, I know exactly what we're talking about. I want to run in the room and hide. I was like, yeah. oh, this is bad. So I don't do that anymore with conflict and it's hard, but yeah, making the conscious choice to stop your feet from propelling to the other room is actually yeah. very difficult. So I hear you. Well, I have to, so I, I was um, talking with someone about this yesterday. I can't remember who, but like, I have to, to not follow those impulses i have to like verbalize them out loud right now so like if my my current partner and i if we're having like an argument and it's not even they're not even big ones they're just like differences of opinion or whatever but anything where i feel that like urge to be defensive i'll tell him i'm like i have an urge right now to like put all of your stuff in your bag and throw it outside and make you leave <laughs> i'm like that's an that's an urge that's an impulse right now and we have the level of communication where like we know that we we state our impulses out loud or at least like i do more so and he knows that it's not it i'm not going to and then he you know has the has the confidence i guess to like not get defensive in return but i've said that to him so many times where i'm like i really want to break up with you right now and he's like all right okay i'm like I know, I know truthfully that I don't want to do that, but that's my defensive impulse instead of, you know, like doing the shit that I used to do, which was super, super avoidant. Yeah, no. And like everyone has impulses that are that maybe like outrageous, quote unquote, you're just vocalizing them so that your partner isn't like caught off guard. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, and it's, there's like, I've leaned a lot into understanding our like behaviors and emotional states from like the nervous system level. And so there's, there's just so much that, you know, is unconscious automatic responses, right? Like there's this, you know, this kind of old reptilian response that when there's anything that could be a threat, we want to either shut down and retreat and collapse, or we want to be in that like fight or flight stage. That's just, that's where our body wants to go. And it's only this like most evolved last part of us that can be social that can communicate that's you know can connect with other people and it takes so much 
like conscious intentional effort to stay there in those moments and yeah for me it's it's having to speak them out loud to be able to be like okay that's an impulse here that i don't have to follow along with but it's it's like a constant practice and i'm i'm glad that i'm here (laughs) but it took a very long time to get here yeah but i mean i think being able to communicate communicate sorry those things is really important and how you communicate them is important too right like for example it's the difference between i want to break up with you and i have the impulse to break up with you and i know it's not what i truly want but it's what i'm feeling right now and that's something i i'm always trying to be really intentional with my communication going back to the whole like sending boundaries to family things yeah Um, i when i do that with my mom for example i always say i wanted to set this boundary because i love you and i care about you and i'm like this is me teaching you how to love me and she's like well it doesn't feel like it and i was like okay let's make a bet if you stick to this one week from now we're gonna have a better relationship than we did today and like i've proved i've proved her wrong and myself right consistently yeah Um, i was like see remember this thing that you thought was me pushing you away see how it's actually brought us closer and she's like yeah and it's made her comfortable talking about it and being more receptive and so yeah like just i don't know i think like here's the thing you don't owe anybody this degree of care when you set boundaries but i still think that if you feel like you are capable of incorporating that care it's just for a lot of people it can be what decides whether or not they're able to understand or accept something and that sucks yeah it shouldn't be like that because you're not always in the headspace to be like oh i need to be super caring um but like if it's something you have the capacity to do i always tell people think about it think about if it's Think about if you want to incorporate the care that you have in your pocket um, within this interaction, because, you know, chances are it could it could be nice and it could be helpful. Um, Yeah. Yeah, like more and more, I. Not that I didn't see the value in like providing context and, you know, in your words, like providing that care around setting boundaries, but I think, you know, right when I entered this field, I was coming out of a very traumatic situation. And I think, you know, my concept of boundaries was very much rooted in independence, which it really isn't, right? Like boundaries are about, you know, allowing you to connect better with people and, you know, for, for them to connect in a way that makes you feel comfortable and respected and all these things. And I was, you know, so, and I think a lot of people shared this with me and it it was kind of within the you know realm of social media and literature and stuff that I would read where it was like you don't need to justify your boundaries you don't need to give explanations you don't need to do you know xyz but to your point it it's going to make people you know less defensive and more likely more willing to learn to to do this new thing that they're not used to you know to try and see your perspective if they're reminded that yeah i'm doing this because i care about our relationship i'm doing this because you know i care about this or i want to make sure that we we don't have you know these arguments as often as we have been or you know that that i don't you know end up feeling upset with you and wanting to take time away from you because you know this is a thing that can make our relationship better totally and um, yeah, I agree. And I think it's obviously, of course, context dependent. Like mm-hmm. with my mom, for example, I'll always go the extra mile to put the care into it and like everything we've been talking about. 
obviously if it's like a shitty situation like someone's disrespecting me or something like that and like i don't you know i don't feel like putting in the work i'm more than happy and more than happy to advocate the like use of you know what like this person treats you like crap and you don't owe them this explanation um, yeah. which is a different context than what we're talking about i know but i also just want to yeah. put out because you know sometimes people are like really horrible and there are there are situations where you don't yeah. need to give yeah. that extra effort and show your best self yeah but i think it's always nice to scan yourself and see um see if you have some energy in your pocket to like incorporate care into an interaction if it's somebody whose relationship uh you value yeah yeah this is making me really happy like i i love you know i so often like i've been watching shows recently where like they're showing therapists like i just started watching you and you know the, the therapist and i don't know if you've watched it but like it's not a good representation no <laughs> No, he's like, like in the first session, he like smokes weed. He smokes a joint. And he's like, do you want some to the client? I was like, what is whole thing? Um, but anyway, so I've, I've continued to like see these representations and it does talk so much about like how, you know, therapists like give advice and that's kind of the, the way that it's like, they're often summarized and advice, even around like boundaries is something that I like so rarely, you know, give or like is, is shown in like a therapy session it's just it's not something that actually comes up often but like it's more about this this like empowerment to yes. you know to communicate with people in a way that makes you feel authentic that makes you feel like you are validating your experiences and you know respecting the relationship and really that's like what you're what you're speaking to and you know setting even the ones that you said that you set with your family, right? Of saying like, you know, this is, here are my lines that like, I'm not going to accept anything less than unconditional love. And you can take as much time as, as you need to get there. I'm not, I'm not shutting this door. I'm not making it, you know, any type of, of, you know, limit or ultimatum or deadline, but this is what I'm, I'm asking for. And this is what I will and will not accept. Yeah, totally. Yeah, no, like, you're right about that. Like, the support is such a big piece of it. And you're right. It does always make it seem like you go to therapy to get answers, and they're going to give you answers to your life. And it's like, Literally no. never. <laughs> I remember, because I was a distress line crisis responder, the main thing we learned when we were training for that was, like, it's ridiculous and outrageous to think that as a responder you know what's best for the person calling you you yeah. just have to help them get there like my therapist didn't tell me to come out she said whenever you're ready when it is when you're ready i told her i was ready and i said hey can i like run this by you and that's why i was able to do it because ah. she, yeah she was happy to be there and help empower me to make the decisions that i wanted to make that were best for me and of course there's a sprinkle of like she will challenge and she's open about it she'll say you know i wanted to challenge something that you said, because I don't know if it's necessarily the right decision. I mean, are you open to talking about it? In which case I'll uh, say, yeah. 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 Like the biggest, you know, the, the biggest like answers that will come through is really just like us, like so, so much of what therapists do is just like reflecting stuff back that, that you're saying, right. And doing it, you know, or summarizing or yeah, just, you know, kind of acting as a mirror, because oftentimes, like, we will, clients will talk, and they'll say things where, you know, 
what they want kind of becomes clear as day. And I'll say it back to them. I'll, I'll, you know, repeat just like a very subtle variation of whatever it was that they said. And they were like, oh, shit, I had no idea, you know, like, because it's, it's just not something that is as easy to see when we're wrapped up so much in our own internal back and forth. Um, I, uh, I want to be mindful of time because I'm probably going to bring us to the end of this soon, but, you know, around, I guess around like this whole topic in general, we've kind of <laughs> lived around a, a few different things, but are there any, I guess, like last I don't close closing thoughts or remarks <laughs> on this on this very broad topic and on you know your experience and anything that you want to put out there um therapy is good <laughs> and yeah, I endorse I endorse that message good time and um if you're worried about financial accessibility the reason I was able to start therapy before I started working full-time was because I went on a website called open path and open path uh, shows you all the therapists in your area who are willing to do subsidized therapy and it's like sliding scale and i now pay my therapist the full rate because i have a job and da, da, da. but at that time my incredible therapist who i now pay 150 bucks a session for was only taking 30 dollars per session from me um, so yeah open path is incredible it's called open path collective google it you'll find the website and you know if uh, subsidized therapy is a financially accessible option and you know finances are the main thing stopping you i encourage you to check it out and see if it's something that you know you can seek out because it has changed my life and i am i hope it can change yours and i'm confident <laughs> that it will um but if it doesn't like don't sue me so yeah yeah they're not they're they're not gonna come back at you for it and i'll you know in this um in this episode description, I will link other um, websites where there's like affordable therapy networks because um, I, you know, it's, it's one of the biggest parts that I kind of hate about, you know, the healthcare system and working within it is that it is so inaccessible to so many people. And, you know, that's, that's very, very frustrating, but um, it doesn't have to be. And there are, you know, there are options out there that are accessible, even if, you know, a normal rate isn't. So I'm super appreciative that you like came on here. Is there anything that you want to like promote of yours? No, just go to therapy. Okay, go to <laughs> just promote therapy. Go to therapy. Good <laughs> question for you, Katie. Ooh, yeah, this is like if you could edit this out, that would be nice. I was like, oh no, you can't. Um, I, I, I can't, but I like I can, uh, I can't. <laughs> I'll edit. <laughs> That's okay. Guys, we're going to have a very secret conversation. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll catch you on another episode. <laughs>